Do you feel sorry for Theresa May? Sometimes I do. I mean, she's being held. Why yeah. do you feel sorry for her? Sometimes I do. Why do you feel sorry for her? Well, I just look at her and just think she looks dreadful. Um, what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? And the, the stuff about me paddling all the nonsense the sea was actually closed. It was a, a red notice. You just can't call it. We will not be caught with no clothes on. I've always been a completely normal UK tax player. It's not in opposition that I want to be, and it's Nicola's desk I want. I want to serve this country <laughs> as First <laughs> Minister <laughs> and its Labour values. You can have the desk, you're just not getting the job. <laughs> If you've been to Peppa Pig World, who's been to Pads? I've anybody who's been to Peppa Pig World. In December, I'll be in Beijing opening up new pork markets. I mean, seriously, besties, what the actual fuck? Hi, besties. So, <laughs> Parliament was back for a minute. We're back into recess now for conference. Um, and so things have got chaotic because, <laughs> because Rishi can hide behind recess. And so, of course, he, he just throws out all his fucking mess just before recess and then he runs away and then he has to do an awkward press conference and that's a whole thing. But don't worry, I'm here to, to tell you everything that happened, give you all the tea, all the gossip. This is... What the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? I'm Jennifer Wan, and you should grab a drink and a snack and get comfy and cozy because we are about to dive in. Oh my God. Okay, so do you know what? Let's start with some good news. They found the escaped prisoner and he's been taken back to prison. So that's something, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you know what else? You know what else was found? A parliamentary researcher who's linked to senior MPs in the Tory party has been arrested on suspicion of spying for China. I, I, I have to laugh at this point because we are literally clown island. Prisoners are on the loose. Buildings are collapsing. We got spies everywhere. Everything's going to shit. Like, clown island. Clown island. Um, so this guy was linked to a number of senior MPs, including Security Minister Tom Tugendhat. Um, I mean, what do you even say? What do you even say? Um, Jesus Christ. So that's, that's great, isn't it? Uh, the police said the investigation is being carried out by officers from the Met's Counterterrorism Command, which has responsibility for investigations relating to allegations of Official Secrets Act and espionage related offences. Oh, my God. We're living in like a really crap James Bond film, like. That one where he gets a wife. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't believe it. Um. <laughs> Inquiries continue. Section 1 of the Official Secrets Act 1911 relates to the passing of information that may be prejudicial to the safety or interests of the state and communications which are calculated to be or intended to be directly or indirectly useful to an enemy. So that's fantastic. Um, we have Boris, you remember a while back with all the murky shit potentially being honey trapped by Russia and now this nothing is secure on clown island nothing is secure nothing is secure um but the fun does not stop there the fun does not stop there my friends because we <laughs> we are just hurtling through hell i think 
would be how I would describe it. Um, what else has the incompetent government that unfortunately rules over us been up to? Well, unsurprising to me, um, like I don't, I don't want to be that bitch that's like, I told you so, but like I did say again and again, I do not trust this government to do the thing they say they're going to do. I mean, I don't trust them in any, any regard really, but uh, one of the things the government has kept saying is we are going to ban conversion therapy. We will. We will. Well, <laughs> according to new reports this week from Paul Brand at ITV, almost all faith has now been lost in the government's pledge to ban conversion therapy. <sighs> well, there we are. Well, there we are. I'm not shocked at all. Um, especially with the government's uh, perpetual attempts to use LGBT people to try and win votes, you know, and making us seem scary and horrible. So, I mean, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> well, the community for a start. But, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just another reason why you look at this government and you can't trust a single thing that they say. Because it's just lies, lies all the time. I mean, Christ, I don't expect any different. Like, I fully expect for the Conservative Party to lie all the time. I don't trust them. Um, but Jesus, you know what I mean? Um... <laughs> Their candidate for mayor, well, she's been up to some shit. Susan Hall, who quickly took the mantle of cringe queen from Nadine Doris. Um, she has been in the spotlight this week after it was discovered in an investigation by Hope Not Hate that she, mm, she's got an interesting Twitter history. She liked posts that were praising Enoch Powell, a uh, famed super racist. And she also, uh, she liked tweets referring to her opponent in the male race, Sadiq Khan, as the nipple height mayor of London. Londonistan, is that how you would say that? I don't know how you would say that because I'm not a fucking racist, so I don't know. Um, she also uh liked content from Katie Hopkins. There's a name we haven't heard for a while, mainly because she cannot find work because nobody wants to hire a whiny fucking reactionary. Um and and this apparently. This is the uh, the very best that the Conservative Party has for London. Really? Huh? For real? For fuck up? Huh? Jesus. I... <laughs> I mean, what do you even say? What do you even say? It's it's like they want Sadiq Khan to win. <laughs> I mean, there's no other explanation. Susan Hall, like, just to put it plainly, she's a fucking idiot. And she's dreadful. And nobody, I mean, really? She's the best? I mean, they, they had this last time with, with the London mayor elections. The Conservatives put forward Sean Bailey, who had a huge history of saying disgusting, gross things. And it was weird because you, you, watch, you got to watch the Conservative Party kind of freaking out and trying to fight fires based on all of the old things he'd said resurfacing as if they hadn't background checked him at all. And then the same thing seems to have happened with Susan Hall. There's also been other things that have been unearthed. Um, things where she uh, she said that uh, apparently the black community um, 
has has criminal aspects and there's criminality in the black community, which is very funny. Um, talking about criminality coming from a conservative party politician, like girl, don't fucking talk about criminality. Have a look at yourselves. Have a look at your party. Have a look at the company you keep before you try coming after the black community. Get your own house in order, woman. Like, what the fuck is that? But, um, you know, all of this stuff is coming out. And I don't understand why the Conservatives didn't think that this would be an issue. Nothing has gone right in terms of Susan Hall's attempt to be the mayor of London. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. She had a disastrous first day on the campaign because she threw a tantrum about a picture of herself. Uh, because apparently, I, I don't know, she's really distressed by the sight of her own face or something. I don't know. Um, and she was really pissed off and trying to accuse people of misogyny because, oh, how dare you use a picture of me to talk about me being selected as candidate? How awful. Like, what the fuck was that? And then... Just every single week, there's there's just absolutely rotten, disgusting shit that she has said or she has engaged with and agreed with and endorsed coming out. Is she really the best that they have to offer in London? Like, is she really? Because to me, the selection of Susan Hall and the continued endorsement of Susan Hall from the Conservative Party demonstrates a huge lack of respect to the people of London from the Conservative Party. This is who they put forward to potentially be your mayor. Her. I would feel so disrespected. I just would, like, sorry, but that shit is disrespectful. I mean... <laughs> speaking of disrespectful... <laughs> Let's talk about, we haven't talked about her in a minute, but let's talk about Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Liz Truss. She's back. She's got a book to sell. God, why are they always writing fucking books? Um, yeah, she thinks that people want to know what's on her mind. I'm assuming not much. Um, but she thinks that she has a lot of insights people are going to be interested in, which is hilarious considering that many of us all across Little Clown Island are in a much worse financial state because of her, directly because of her. You can trace a lot of financial hardship back to Liz Truss and her short but terrifying time as Prime Minister. And she thinks that we need to hear what she has to say. Elizabeth, please. Girl, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, here's some gems from Liz's press tour. So she was considering... <laughs> this shit's so dumb. She was considering a flat tax where every worker pays 20% of their income regardless of what they earn. So that would mean that the rich pay basically like fuck all in comparison to those of us who are not rich, which is obviously bullshit. People who can pay a bit extra should be because that's what society is. All right? You don't get to fucking hoard it like a greedy fucking weirdo. You've got to be part of society. All right? Shit needs to be paid for. The fucking schools are falling down. If rich people can afford to pay a bit extra, they should be. And, and, and they can because they're rich, let's be real. But no, no, no. Not in Liz Truss world. No, they, they should get away with paying tiny amounts of tax because... Well, I don't know, because she has not actually given any real serious justification as to why she considered this beyond the fact that she's a fucking idiot. So, um, no, <laughs> it's a no from me, Liz Truss. Um, 
some other gems from from Liz. Uh, she, I mean, God, she has just been at it this week. Um, apparently, she finds it very, very deeply funny that she crashed the economy. She was giving a speech and she made a joke about how she was so much more relaxed this September than she was last September. <laughs> Remember last September, Liz, when you were just like ruining the economy and ruining people's lives? <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my God, Elizabeth, you're hilarious. You're so funny. God, I can't stand this puta, honestly. Um, I, I, I mean... I just, what, what exactly is funny about that? Like on a serious level, what is funny about her ruining people's lives? Because that's what happened. There were people who really suffered and people who are still feeling the effects of that today, like a year on, they are still feeling the effects of what she did. And apparently, it's funny to her. I mean, I knew she was a deeply unserious person, but for fuck's sake. And it gets worse. So, <laughs> accounts were released by the Cabinet Office this week. And they revealed that Liz Truss claimed £23,310 from an annual public fund for former Prime Minister's despite only being Prime Minister for 49 days. Where the fuck does she get off dipping her hands in to get that money? You were Prime Minister for like five minutes and you fucked the economy. And you think you can just smash and grab? I don't think. I d what does she even need it for? would be my question as well. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be rude, but she is an incredibly basic person. Like, she's very basic. So I don't even really get where the money goes. Like, where's she spending it on? She's certainly not spending it on, I don't know, a fucking stylist, um, some fucking, <laughs> as a great man once said, lessons in decorum. Uh, because she certainly has the, the grace of a reversing dump truck with no tyres. Um, like, wh what does she even need it for? Girl, you're in a high-paid job already. Learn to live within your fucking means, as we are always told by this shithole government. Live within your means, Elizabeth. Live within your fucking means. Um, I'm just sick of her. <laughs> I'm just sick of her. There are people who are really struggling to pay their rent, struggling to pay their mortgages, um, just living to a really shit standard because of decisions she made. And she still takes and takes and takes. She is hungry for money at all times, as long as it's not her. She wants everybody else's money. And it's it's maddening. It's sick. I'm sorry, but it's sick. I Speaking of former prime ministers who make me sick, oh my God. <laughs> Let's talk about Theresa May. <laughs> Theresa May, I mean, she, she is also... God. She's also written a book and she's also on a press tour... Um, who really wants to hear from Theresa May? Like, who? Do you know what annoys me, actually, speaking of Theresa May? Like, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but it's really annoying how there are some commentators, like political commentators, who are trying to rehabilitate her. And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I miss Theresa May. Oh, she, you know, she wasn't that bad, actually. And I'm like, are you fucking joking? Are you little miss hostile environment? Little miss Brexit means Brexit, and you're out here like, oh, she wasn't that bad, she was all right. I kind of miss her. Fuck off, just shut up. Honestly, most of the people that say that shit are living real comfy, 
And so they have the luxury of looking at someone like Theresa May and all the damage she did and saying, I miss her. It's stupid. I saw someone say the same about Boris Johnson today and I was like, I can't with you people. I can't. Are you joking? But anyway, Theresa May this week has said that she is woke and proud. Go where? What are you talking about? What are you saying? I... I feel like this comes from a fundamental misunderstanding as to what woke actually means. Um, so what it means is somebody who who is awoken to social injustice and is taking steps to try and make things better and make the world better. You know what I mean? That is not Theresa May. Theresa May, who when she was Home Secretary presided over the hostile environment Theresa may who would who would have lgbt asylum seekers rejected because she didn't believe that her department didn't believe that they were gay enough and those people would be sent back to their home countries and be attacked and be brutalized because of her decision making what the fuck are you talking about woke and proud no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. I mean, listen, just because she may be on the more moderate side of the Conservative Party, that does not mean that she is an ally to anybody vulnerable, because she's not. I mean, look at how, for example, disabled people were treated under her administration as well. Um, look at how people from uh, EU countries were treated under her administration there, there are so many examples that I could pull out right now of her being just relentlessly evil, frankly. And, and now she's on a little book tour. She's trying to sell a book, which is hilariously called The Abuse of Power. Um, coming from a woman who allowed for the whip to be given back to sexual offender sex offender actual convicted sex offender charlie elphick to try and save her career and she wants to talk about abuse of power in politics girl shut up i just she's got a book to sell so she's just chucking together words that will get a lot of clicks she's trying to make herself into something she's actually not and i hate it it's disgusting I beg, I beg of someone to take that seat from her. I don't want to see her. I don't want to hear from her again. No, thank you. No fucking thank you. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Um, and you know, <laughs> it wasn't even just her. It turns out there are just a ton of politicians. I guess they all fucking wrote books over the summer they all wrote books over the summer and now they've all got something to fucking say um so rory stewart god as well he's got something to say so he wrote a thing in the guardian um and the headline was i saw how grotesquely unqualified so many of us were Okay. And the whole thing was basically saying that everyone is is shit and here's a better way to run a government and to run a nation and oh what a strange coincidence. You can, you can of course find out all about it uh in my book which is out now and you can go on to my website and you can get a signed copy it's it's all fucking pr bullshit man and not even the good kind of pr um my question is this because theresa may um in her quest to sell her book she was also going around and unveiling a couple of secrets and criticizing politics and the government in general and all of that my question is this if they've got all these secrets, if if Rory Stewart knew that everyone in, in the government when he was there was fucking incompetent and ridiculous, and Theresa May knew all of these horrible secrets as well, 
Um, I mean, one of the things she revealed, uh, she said that a Tory minister hid in a cupboard to avoid meeting with families who were affected by the Hillsborough disaster. If they knew these horrible, awful things, why are they only just saying when they've got a book to sell? If, if we are supposed to believe that they are such good people, why did they have nothing to say at the time? Why weren't they brave enough to stand up and speak up? That's my question. And that is why I will not buy into the whole rehabilitation of these figures that so many are doing. There are so many people who are like, oh, well, you know, I see them in a new light now. And I'm like, why? Because they were too cowardly to say anything at the time. And they're saying now so they can get pressed for their book. Really? Are you that dumb that you're falling for that? Like, I see so many um, political journalists and political commentators who are saying these things and repeating these takes. And then I remember, wait, <laughs> they gain something from this too. If they rehabilitate this politician, they can get invited to a nice little party or two. It's all a game. It's literally all a game. It's all a game. Um, I'm once again reminded of how much political media is just bullshit. Um, you know, which, which, I mean, not, not to be like that guy who's like, and I'm going to change it up. Um, but that, that's why in a sense, I kind of started this, this podcast and the show because I just wanted to be real with people. I always talk about something that I'm very interested in and connect with other people as well and just be real with people and cut through all of the all of the spin and the lies and the nonsense and just be real. And it just sucks that for the last week, we've been bombarded with so much shiny fucking manufactured bullshit. It just sucks. Okay, so one of the uh, things that is being spoken about all the time lately is XL bully dogs. And there was a big development from the government this week in regards to these dogs. I, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I do not own a dog and I am not an expert in dogs. I don't, like, I don't really know. <laughs> Like, if you put several dogs in front of me and just made up breed names, I'd probably believe you. Like, the only dog that I know for sure, like, I know two two dog breeds for sure, okay? I know what lurchers look like because my mum's got one. And I know what beagles look like because I used to have one on Nintendogs. Um, I think about her all the time. I wonder what she's doing. I miss you, Vera. She was called Vera. She was great. She was a very good dog. Um, but, like, I don't know, like, other kinds of dogs. So, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I do not come at this with any major dog expertise, is my point here. Um, but there has been a lot of controversy about these dogs um, because this breed of dogs has been responsible for... A number of violent attacks as well as a number of deaths caused by dogs in the UK um, over the last few years. So there were a couple of cases over the last few weeks. There was a video that went viral of one of these dogs attacking a, a little girl and then running after and chasing uh, a man in the street. Um, and then there was another case where... Um, where one of these dogs attacked and killed a man. And there was a lot of public outcry, but there was also a lot of debate because there were a lot of people that own these dogs and um, and believe that they are... they are safe if they are, you know, looked after properly. So this week, the government stepped in and announced that they will be 
banning these dogs. Um, by the end of 2023. Um, there are some countries that have already done that. In Turkey, it is illegal to own or breed one of these dogs. Um, in the in the UAE, it is also illegal to own one of these dogs. In Ireland, it's it's not quite illegal, but there's a lot of restrictions. So the dog has to be muzzled and it has to be on a, a specific lead. Um, and so there are a few requirements for ownership, but the UK is apparently uh, committing to ban these dogs. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about that, a lot of anxiety from people who own those dogs. Um, the government have now clarified that there would not be a cull of these dogs, so they're not going to you know, snatch the dogs away from their owners and and um and have them put to sleep. Um, but there will be restrictions. People who own them currently will have to register and keep them on a lead and muzzle. So it it would be, I think, similar to Ireland in that respect. Um and there's a lot of discussion about whether whether a ban is fair and whether uh whether it is a case of the owners being the problem or the dog itself so i was thinking about this right one one animal that i do know quite a bit about <laughs> um is is killer whales orcas i i love them very much and i think they're very beautiful and talented um <laughs> And in in the wild, attacks from orcas are very rare. Um, I mean, there have <laughs> there have been some incidents lately, but <laughs> maybe that's just because they found out what the humans have been doing to the ocean. Orcas are very intelligent, so I mean, maybe that's why. Um, but when you look at captive killer whales there are a huge number of attacks um including whales that have repeatedly attacked people um if you were for example to look up orca attacks on wikipedia there is a whole page there is a whole page the section on wild attacks is very small but captive orca attacks the section goes on for page after page. There are so many. They have to split it into, into years in some places because there are so many in one year. Um, probably the most famous uh, orca involved um, would be Tilikum, who was involved in three incidents that resulted in the death of a human. Um, and if you look at uh, pretty much all of of the examples given um all of these are are whales that have been kept in captivity and to be frank kept in very bad conditions um marine parks are not great places for whales um the ideal place for a whale obviously is the sea uh, because that's where they live and that's where they're from and that's where they should stay um however there are a great number that have been captured and kept in captivity or have been born into captivity um and so they are they are kept in in marine parks and and zoos and the like I mean, zoos are not so bad because they're, they're basically allowed to exist and that's good. But marine parks obviously have a, 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 an interest in making them perform. Places like SeaWorld, Marineland, um, stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people who actually know what they're talking about when they talk about whales, proper scientists have said that the way that these whales are treated, you know, at these parks 
could be part of why the whales are um are are attacking people essentially um and and this this might sound crazy this might sound crazy but i i do think there's something behind it the treatment of these whales and how it manifests because if you look at the wild it's so vanishingly rare for a whale to act the way that they do at SeaWorld, for example. Um, you know, whales in captivity, they have been shown to have um, a ton of health problems that are not common for wild whales. They, um, they have huge issues because of the conditions of, you know, the tanks and um, things like that. The, there are some really great resources if you want to learn more about this by the way <laughs> instead of just listening to me like ramble on about about <laughs> about how much I want to free the whales but how much I can't um obviously there's there's blackfish which is the one everyone knows I'd also really recommend uh reading the book Death at SeaWorld it's it's really uh really enlightening stuff um but you know there are a lot of examples for example there's a there's there's a whale um, Kasaka, who was responsible for three attacks, um, two of which were towards one specific trainer. And there is a lot of supporting evidence that, that she began acting out in such an extreme way because SeaWorld took away her calf and moved the calf to another park. And the distress that that caused her cause that behavior right telecom who is probably the most famous whale in this situation um frankly had an incredibly traumatic life one day he's just swimming in the ocean with his family just having a nice little whale life having having a having a whale of a time just living his life living his best life and then suddenly these boats come in and and the just the the way that whales were captured during that time period i mean it's it's not going to be nice at any point but at that point it was very traumatic for the whales so he has that experience when he's still so young you know being snatched away from his family taken to a strange environment um the first park he was in was a place called Sealand of the Pacific and frankly they did not have the space or the resources to care for multiple killer whales and yet they insisted on trying to do so and so he faced a lot of difficulty there uh, there was some bullying as well because when you take several whales from different pods and stick them all together they're not going to get along um so he faced a lot of difficulty um he was then moved to SeaWorld after the first incident and, and he was he was kept alone a lot of the time, you know. So he's he's gone through a lot of trauma already in his life and then he's got this loneliness. And I know I probably sound crazy and also I promise this, we'll get back to dogs. But he had he had been through a lot in his life. And then, you know, when he's at SeaWorld, really his only purpose, his only... Um, you know, interaction during the day is occasionally splashing people during a show and being used for breeding purposes. And that's all they let his life be. And and all he can do is swim around this pool, which in comparison to what he used to be able to swim in, is tiny. He misses his family. He's got nobody. Maybe he acts out. Then again, it could be maybe he's just playing because there are some people who believe perhaps it could be, you know, that that they were all just playing and they didn't know that, you know, humans do not have the same strength as whales. Humans do not have the same resilience as whales. Um, but also, you know, you, you, you do have to admit uh, forcing massive animals that could kill you with like no effort to do tricks and depriving them of food if they don't is, I mean, <laughs> wow, 
fuck around and find out. Um, so you have these animals who have the capacity and the ability to, to frankly, kill you and everyone you love. But when they are free and living on their own terms and doing what they want, they don't really bother humans. They don't really, they don't really bother us. But when we lock them up and we abuse them and we traumatise them, suddenly we've got loads of attacks on our hands, right? Um, and so I was thinking, is it perhaps a similar thing with, um, with these dogs? Because one of the other aspects with, with the whales was that in some of these cases, and in fact quite a lot of these cases, these whales were not used to having people near them in the water you know and a lot of these attacks were happening um with whales who were not used to having another person in the water and so it was you know it's an unknown they don't know what to do it's a lack of socialization experience and i was looking at the timeline of these attacks from these dogs right and it does seem that perhaps quite a few of these dogs would have been purchased during covid you may remember there was a huge wave of people getting dogs during COVID because, you know, they're at home all the time, maybe feeling kind of lonely, maybe feeling like something's missing in their life. So why not get a dog, right? And then, of course, at some point they've got to go back to work. They've got to go back to real life. So the dog just stays at home all the time. Are these dogs being trained? Are these dogs used to being around other dogs, other people? Are they experienced in socialising? Do they have the opportunity to interact? Do you know what I mean? Could it be that there are there are some dogs of this breed that absolutely are well-trained, are good with people? Because one of the things that a lot of people that own these dogs say is they're great with kids, they're great with people, they're very friendly... That could be the case for some of these dogs, but there could also be some of these dogs that have not had opportunities for training, had opportunities for socialising, may have not been treated very well. And so that that's what's causing this issue. And so I think that the government has to be really careful when it comes to this legislation, because... Obviously, they're going to face a lot of opposition. There has been um, a huge mobilisation of people. There seems to be a, a lot of community in terms of this dog breed. There are a lot of people who are very passionate about it, who will definitely be fighting the government at every turn, I think. Um, so they're not going to have an easy time. But at the same time, the government also has to contend with, you know, the other side of the public who who are very frightened and very worried about what's going to happen um and and their safety when it comes to these dogs so i i don't envy the government and i think it is difficult and it is going to take a lot of thought and a lot of looking at various different scenarios and perspectives um and i think it's it's something that we're going to need to watch carefully because i don't think that there are easy answers for this um in some cases, it could be that these, you know, there are some of these dogs that are lovely and very personable, but like in a dog way, and, and they're very sweet and they're very lovely. But there are also going to be, you know, dogs of this breed that are dangerous. And it's it's going to be very hard to walk that line and figure out a solution in a fair way. So the planet's in a bit of a bad state, but Rishi does not care. Um, I mean, you could kind of tell, because this is the guy who takes private flights fucking everywhere, helicopters, all that kind of carry on, just to fucking go to the smallest distance. Like, he's really out here 
like Taylor Swift fucking taking a private jet to go to shops or something. It's fucking dumb. Um, but Rishi, <laughs> he he's just not interested apparently in trying to safeguard uh, the planet for future generations. Probably because he's one of those delusional rich people that thinks that being rich will save him. And I find that so funny. <laughs> I, find, I just find it so funny. You know, what's interesting, actually, now I've said that, um, a couple of years ago, this is when Boris Johnson was still in power, um, for Halloween which is coming up soon, who's ready for spooky season, uh, but that year for Halloween, because every year I try and do a special little project for Halloween, just because, you know, it's fun, we have fun, it's fabulous, um, so that year, it was a couple of years ago, I decided to do a zombie story, because I'd wanted to write zombies for a long time, but I, I just, I never got round to it. And then suddenly COVID happened and I was like, oh, oh, okay. I'm living in the apocalypse. I may as well write what I know and write the apocalypse. So I started writing this zombie story um, and it was told over the 31 days of October through blog posts and social media posts. It was kind of this interactive, immersive story. And Rishi Sunak actually makes an appearance. <laughs> he um he shows up midway through. Um, does he become a zombie or not? Well, you'd have to read it to find out. But um, <laughs> there's uh quite a lot of delusion from him about what is available to uh regular people when the end of the world comes and also how little your hoarded wealth can buy you when the end of the world comes and and it's it's kind of interesting considering that that was how I wrote him and that very much seems to be how he is in real life as well I did not realize that I got it so spot on I really didn't um so um yeah Rishi is absolutely acting the way he does in my multiverse of madness. Um, so this week, conveniently, conveniently after Parliament um, left for recess, Rishi suddenly starts making noises that kind of sound like, I'm going to abandon all of our climate policies and fuck the planet. Um I, I don't think he wanted it to become a big thing. I think he was hoping that he could just slip it out on the quiet. No one's going to look at it too deeply. No one's going to say anything. I don't know why he thought that would happen. Again, very delusional. This seems to be a very delusional man that we're dealing with. Um, so immediately, um, the car industry kicks off. Because one of the things that it's rumoured that he wants to abandon is the pledge to ban diesel and petrol vehicles in the future and transition to electronic vehicles and hybrid vehicles and things like that. Um, so banning the sale of new diesel and petrol vehicles. The car industry has been working to meet those targets that have been set out by Rishi's government um, because that's what they thought they needed to do. So they've been working towards that. They've obviously would have spent money. Companies would have spent money, um, resources, trying to innovate, change things around, move towards new products that would be acceptable under that kind of legislation. And now, potentially... There's no point in all of the work that they've done um, because Rishi's like, well, we're probably not going to do that legislation now. <laughs> Never mind. And so they, they've just spent all of that time and all of that money working towards something the government told them was happening. And then the government's like, well, we're not doing that anymore. Don't worry about it. Except they are going to worry about it because <laughs> they've used a ton of resources on it. And now it's apparently not happening. 
Um, senior figures in the car industry apparently said that they had received personal reassurances from ministers in the government that everything was on track as recently as last week. And then today, out of nowhere, it is no longer on track. The track is broken. The train is on the floor. Everything's gone to shit. Um, so the industry has been working towards this deadline. And now pff, nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. It's all, it's all fucked, really. Um, there was a, well, a pretty uh, pointed statement released by Ford. Um, well-known car manufacturer, they said three years ago, the government announced the UK's transition to electric new car and van sales from 2030. The auto industry is investing to meet that challenge. Ford has announced a global $50 billion commitment to electrification, launching nine electric vehicles by 2025. The range is supported by £430 million invested in Ford's UK development and manufacturing facilities with further funding planned for the 2030 timeframe. This is the biggest industry transformation in over a century, and the UK 2030 target is a vital catalyst to accelerate Ford into a cleaner future. Our business needs three things from the UK government. Ambition, commitment and consistency. Oh, darling, you're not going to get that. A relaxation of 2030 would undermine all three. We need the policy focus trained on bolstering the EV market in the short term and supporting consumers while headwinds are strong. Infrastructure remains immature, tariffs loom and cost of living is high. Well, they're not wrong, are they? Um, I just... <laughs> why? Just why? Why? If you if you were prime minister of a government that's already in trouble, why would you then just go along and just piss off the entire car industry? Like, what for? Who is this for? Is my question. Who who asked for this? Who asked for this? Anyway, so the the day goes back and forth. The government doesn't really want to talk. Um, the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, is going absolutely batshit because he's very upset that this was just sort of slipped out and it wasn't in front of the house and for MPs to be allowed to scrutinise it. I don't know why he keeps being shocked that that keeps happening because the government keeps doing it because they know there's no consequences when they do. Um, it's a mess. It's a mess. There are calls to recall Parliament. Oof. Oh my Christ. And then... <laughs> and then... Rishi does a press conference. In front of a lectern. The lectern says long-term decisions for a brighter future. I really don't think... That abandoning... Climate change proposals... Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't think that you can call that a long-term decision for a brighter future. Unless you mean a brighter future in the sense of, like, I don't know, hyper-lightning or, like, fucking firestorms or whatever the hell the climate's going to throw at us next in her rage. Like, wh what are you saying, girl? What does it mean? What does it mean? So here are some gems from Rishi's speech. Um, oh, my God. That, that just, it's just ridiculous. Like I said, he's a very deeply ridiculous and delusional man. Um, I have spent my first year as prime minister bringing back stability to our economy, your government and our country. Where? Where? What are you talking about? Literally, what are you saying? Um, it's time to address the bigger, longer-term questions we face. Okay, and so you choose to address them by... just abandoning your responsibility as a government to make sure that we've all got a planet to live on? Really? 
okay. We, <laughs> we've stumbled into a consensus about the future of our country that no one seems to be happy with. There's a lot of unhappiness on Clown Island, Rishi, but I mean, I, I, I don't think that that this is the solution. This is not the way. Oh, good Christ. I have made my decision. We are going to change. Okay. But he also said, do we really want to change our country and build a better future for our children or do we want to carry on as we are while literally carrying on as we were and abandoning the policies that would build a better future for our children or at least ensure they had a habitable fucking planet to live on um so he said <laughs> we are going to change the way our politics works Seemingly by announcing everything during recesses so that he cannot be held to account for anything he does ever at all. Um, and he said that he didn't want to take the easy way out. Right, okay. Um, so he also put up this afternoon on Twitter a graphic that said this. <laughs> We're stopping heavy-handed measures. Taxes on eating meat. New taxes to discourage flying. Sorting your rubbish into seven different bins. Compulsory car sharing. Expensive insulation upgrades. Who, who was proposing any of this though? You are literally the government. Tell me when you said that there was going to be a tax on eating meat, Rishi. When did you say that? Because you're the prime minister. When did you announce that? Oh, never. So you've made that up so that you can say that you've cancelled that tax on eating meat. Because it was never real. It never happened. When did you announce that there would be taxes to discourage flying? You literally, you didn't. When did you announce? When did anybody fucking announce that we'd have to sort rubbish into seven different bins? And why would anyone announce that? Because how would that help anything? Nobody would announce that because it's nonsense. You've literally made that up. Who the fuck? Seven different bins for what, bitch? Nobody was proposing that. Nobody. Nobody. Compulsory car sharing. Nobody was fucking proposing that. Nobody was saying that that was going to be a thing. So why are you pretending that you have dragged us back from the cliff edge of compulsory car sharing and an endless stream of recycling bins? When it never happened, I'll tell you why. Because he's a liar. He's a liar in the desperate throes of the end of the road. He's got nothing but lies. Like, there's nothing else he can do. He can't offer us a better hope for tomorrow. He can't offer us any kind of ambition. Because he doesn't have that shit in him. He doesn't have it in him. He can't offer us, you know, the steady hand of competence because he doesn't have it. He can't offer us any solutions to our problems because he caused them all and he's too lazy to do anything about it. So all he can do is lie. He's just lying. Nobody was going to be taxed for eating meat. Nobody was going to be forced not to fly or forced to share their car with some random. Nobody which, I'm sorry, I can't get over the seven different bins thing. That's so stupid. It's so juvenile. It's literally the dumbest level of made-up lie I think I've ever heard. Oh, oh, they're going to sort you. You're going to make you sort all your bins into seven different bins. Oh, you got a license for those bins. You got a license to be in your car by yourself. It's just, it's just never going to happen. It's so stupid. 
And he thinks that we're stupid. This is what annoys me the most. He thinks that we are stupid enough to fall for this. Nobody believes you, Rishi. Nobody believes you. Like, what the fuck, bro? No one is buying this. I promise you, nobody out there thought that there was a risk that, like, their whole life was going to be overtaken by all these different recycling bins. Nobody thought that. Nobody thought they were going to have to start sharing their car with, like, some fucking random down the road or whatever. Nobody believed that. Nobody, like... (laughs) It's like that thing where people are like, oh, they threw you in jail just for being English. Oh, they threw you in jail just for eating meat. Oh, they threw you in jail for using the wrong recycling bin. Like, it's not real. It's not happening. It's not happening. But this is all he's got left. It's just delusional, weird, crazy lies that he hopes we are stupid enough to fall for. But unfortunately for him, that is not going to happen. Okay, besties, I will catch you again next week for more... Well, absolute insanity, really. That's what it's come to. (laughs) This is what this is now. It's just you and me in, in a bunker waiting for things to be less insane, knowing that they probably never will be. Love you, bye. I nearly wet myself then. Thanks for listening, bestie. I hope you enjoyed the show and I will see you again next time for a new episode of What the Actual Fuck is Going On With This Whole Politics Business. Uh, the, the stuff about me paddleboarding, nonsense, the sea was actually closed. It was a, a red notice. You just can't call it. We will not be caught with no clothes on. I've always been a completely normal UK tax player. It's not in opposition that I want to be in. It's Nicola's desk I want. I want to serve this country as First Minister <laughs> and as Labour values. You can have the desk, just, just not getting the job. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Peppa Pig World. Who's been to Pads? I've been who's been to Peppa Pig World. In December, I'll be in Beijing opening up new pork markets. I mean, seriously. What the actual fuck? <laughs>